Good morning, church. We're so glad you're here today with us uh, for Aftershock Sunday. It was such a great year this year, 2018, of Aftershock or of Youthquake. And so, thank you again for all of you on behalf of our staff and our elders and our adults that went to Youthquake with us. Thank you for being part of uh, everything that happened up there by being here, uh, praying for us, even though it was blistering hot in Oklahoma. It was uh, we sure appreciated them up there. So, thank you guys again for doing that. Um, you know, I love highlight reels. I love uh, Youthquake. I love everything that it's been since it started back in 1981. I'm seeing some faces out there. Some of you, many of you, have been to Youthquake yourself, whether as an adult or maybe when you were a student back in the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s, which is me, or whatever it may have been. Uh, it's had some impact on you, and I guarantee you on many that, uh, that you know as well that, that went. And so it's been such a great, great uh, year this year. Um, we love the highlight reels. The highlight reels kind of give a little glimpse, again, as Matt said earlier, of uh, what it looks like and a little piece of what Youthquake looks like, uh, which, was, which is awesome. One of my favorite things, though, is when we have, of course, new students that come, but it's awesome when we have new adults. Every, the last two or three years, we've had eight or 10, 12 new adults kind of that rotate in and out uh, and that come for the first time. And so one of my favorite things is uh, those that have seen these highlight reels for years. You come to Aftershocks for years, but you haven't been to Youthquake, and they get to Youthquake, and the words that they usually mention is that I just had no idea that this is what it is. Like, the, the, the videos don't do it justice, what God's doing and the beauty of where we're at and all these things. So, again, thank you for that. But on the highlight reel topic, you know, obviously we get to see the students and some things that happen there. But we also have some, a lot of a great, great adults that come with us. This year we had about 40 adults that were with us. The funny thing is we usually have, this year we had 20 adults register for Youthquake before we had our first student register. Because there's a lot of excitement to be there. If they've been, they want to go. They want to make the list before they're on the waiting list, and they don't want to be on the waiting list, which is awesome. So um, this year we communicated quite a bit through an app called GroupMe. Some of you guys know what that is, with our adults before and during and after, and we're still using it right now. And I just wanted to bring a little bit of the fun that has happened through that, uh, that app, uh, through some photos and some things we're sharing, embarrassing each other a little bit. I might get ready to do that right now with some. But anyway, so that some, some took some photos and put some memes, some text uh, with those photos. So here's, here's a couple. Uh, the first one is Eric and uh, Kip looking good on the mountain with a couple of cameras. Uh, the next one is Amy Zadro showing us that she can still hang with these youth and uh, doing some splits during the, uh, during the dance party. She's our nurse, by the way, so... Yeah, so um, she knows what she's doing. Next, next one is uh, Dr. Bo Burns and Camilo Sanchez that are reenacting a little Dumb and Dumber and uh, action there, which is awesome. And then the last one, one and only Jason Bray. This is probably my favorite one. So if you guys know Jason, this makes a lot of sense. And so, Jacob, you want to leave that up there the whole service. That's fine with me, I think. So anyway... No, all of this to say, we just, we had a great year this year. Uh, God did some incredible things. Um, Titus Benton was our speaker who came from Texas. I've known him for several years. He's a great communicator, great man of God, and, uh, and so he did a great job focusing in the book of 2 Corinthians is where we were this year. And so uh, he did a fantastic job with us doing that. Uh, but as a result of the text and the speaking and the worship and our adults investing and 
ultimately what the Holy Spirit did, as Matt mentioned earlier, there was multiple decisions. We had four baptisms while we were there. You saw in the video. We had one this morning during first service. We had one on Wednesday or Thursday this week that happened, which was just awesome. And there's still two more to come, which is incredible uh, decisions. And then there were six rededications from students that were with us. One that also communicated that he wanted to uh, rededicate his life to Christ, but also uh, commit to going into full-time ministry, vocational ministry, which is awesome. And so God just did an incredible uh, thing this year. And so again, thank you for all your prayers. Uh, if you would, we're, we're going to focus in 2 Corinthians. I'm taking uh, one evening that we learned uh, on Tuesday night at Youthquake, and we're going to kind of talk through uh, that text and uh, the topic of that night, which was very impactful to me and to our students, and I pray that it will be the same to you all as well. So while you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, here's a question for you. Uh, do you have any idea how many images that there are on the Google platform? You know, Google, the top search engine on the internet, right? And it is loaded with images uh, throughout any subject, anything. It's got something that'll be pulled up. You, su you search anything, you guys know this. There are over a trillion images, over one trillion images on Google alone, which is a lot of images. It's a ton of images, obviously. And on top of that, we also learn that in a given lifetime, Within a, uh, with, with an adult, the given, from, from birth until the moment that they pass away, some researchers did, did a little research, and they discovered that there, uh, in a lifetime, 33 quadrillion images will pass through their minds through their lifetime. So like right now, right here, I have this image of you all in front of me as I'm up here. You have the image that you have right now. Maybe you think you can think of other images, whether it's when you graduated or when you had your first child or when you celebrated a birthday or whether, whatever it is, there's these images that just cross our minds every day, all day long. 33 quadrillion was what was said that crosses through our minds from the moment we're bored to when we pass away. Now, I'm a visual person, very much so. I love, I love visual, visual illustrations for me to learn. Let me, let me have my hands on it. I want to do it. Kinesthetic, all these things. And so I, I hear 33 quadrillion. I'm like, okay, that's a lot, right? But how many is that? Give me a visual or something. So I've got a little a visual that'll help us a little bit with this on the screen. So uh, on the screen, we've got, uh, we've got a large uh, cube there, and then we've got some skyscraper buildings and a smaller cube down there at the bottom with those buildings. So the small cube, if you would imagine a penny, that small cube is pennies stacked together in a tight cube, as you can see there, that smaller one, that uh, pink, I think it is, uh, whatever color that is, and uh, uh, that is a stack of pennies, and that is one trillion pennies, one trillion, okay? The cube behind it is one quadrillion, right? And so it's this massive amount of pennies that dwarfs the skyscrapers that are, that are in front of it. And to just put a little more perspective to this, the, the, the stack of pennies for one quadrillion pennies, 2,730 feet wide, tall, and deep of nothing but pennies. To go more th further than that, if you were to weigh those pennies, over 3 billion, billion with a B, billion tons. Tons, not pounds, tons. Over 3 billion tons. The, the height stacked together, they would reach in one stack all the way up, they would reach over 986 million miles. That's crazy to me. If they were laid out next to each other, it would cover almost 90 million acres. 
90 million acres. Just an amazing amount. And that is how many quadrillion? One. We're talking about 33 quadrillion images that passes through from the moment we are born to the moment we pass away, on average. So my question with all of these images, well, they're, they're, I mean, we love images on, on, even on the mountaintop, on at uh, Youthquake. We love seeing the view. The, the, I love the, the drone view of the drone pulling away from the peak, the summit of the mountain, and seeing one little small or a couple of small students there and just seeing the vast creation that God gives us in that view in itself. Uh, we uh, didn't have on the highlight reel uh, some, uh, some images of our mountain biking. So uh, for our seniors and grads, one activity we offered some of them was to go mountain biking down, which is my favorite part because I don't have to pedal, down a mountain, which was incredible. I've done it several times. It's super exhilarating, tons of fun until you fall. And, uh, and so it's just incredible. And so um, um, we had 26 of us that did that. And so we didn't have that in the highlight reel. And so, but we've got a little, I, I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of picture of, of what mountain biking down a mountain can look like. So let's go ahead and kind of play this real quick. Um, this, is, this is just, I mean, look at the view behind this, and then we, you know, I mean, this can be a little bit crazy. Anybody want to volunteer for this? Okay, so before I have a parent who sent their student come up here and throat punch me, um, we did not do this. This was not the mountain biking trip we went on. Uh, this is uh, a little something way more intense that you just have to be a little bit crazy. But we had a lot of crazy at Youthquake. Um, but uh, anyway, so the image, though, that we can take in at times, yeah, that's just nuts. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. That would be me screaming the entire time uh, and while I'm falling. Um, so the images that we take in, they're all over the place, every single day, every hour, every moment. The question I want to ask is, are you leaving space in your life for the stuff that really, truly matters. Let's pray, and then we'll dive into the text. God, we love you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for um, uh, the moment where we get to just come and dive into your word, God, and the, what you wrote through Paul uh, this morning. And I pray that you speak to us. Speak to us whether we've heard this already while we were at Youthquake. Uh, Father, speak to us uh, if this is our first time or, uh, or everybody that's in here. Father, I, our, we just pray that we will walk out of here be ready to be on mission, to go and to serve you and to tell others about you. God, be with us right now. Open our ears and our hearts to soak it all in. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 is where we're going to start. We'll read several verses here and then we'll start unpacking them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 says this, Since then, we know what, is, we know it is, what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in, your, in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our, the right mind, it is for you. Verse 14, for Christ's love com compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And if he died for all, and he died for all, that those who should, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16. So from now on, we, we regard no one from, the worldly, from a worldly point of view. 
Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We need to see with new eyes. We need to see with new eyes. Have you ever seen one of those videos uh, where a toddler that has, has not been able, to, he clearly needs bifocals, needs glasses uh, for whatever reason. And if you've seen some of those videos, they're really, really awesome, where this toddler, they, they put on the sun, uh, sunglasses, they put on the, the glasses for the first time, and all of a sudden, I mean, he's just like, whoa, mom, there you are, or dad, or whatever, and it's just incredible to see them really see in a focused way for the first time. Or maybe uh, some of those videos that I also love watching and seeing is those who are colorblind. And, and for the first time, because of that new technology and some of those glasses that are out there, all of a sudden uh, we see people who have been colorblind their, their entire life, an adult, a teenager, whatever, and they put these glasses on, and for the first time they see God's creation in color. The green on the leaves on the trees, the, the grass, the, 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 uh, the blue sky, the blue ocean, whatever it may be, they see it in a new and incredible way. We need... We need to remember that God has called us to something great. He has called us to, uh, to be focused in on him. And my suggestion to you, in order to unsee what we can see, is that we need to swap out our lenses. Here's what I want you to remember today. We need to unsee what we can see so that you can see what you can't see. A little tricky. We need to unsee what you can see so you can see what you can't see. We've got to swap out our lenses. We need, uh, when we do this, we will see things differently. We need a new life. We need a new way of living. We need a new vision and a new purpose as a result of this. There's a beautiful truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we decide that we're going to accept that truth and throw our life into a life where we're chasing after Jesus, it's incredible. We should realize that we're looking at life with a new set of lenses. We should see things differently. And as we read this text, we'll notice that there are several things because we changed our lenses. There are several new things because we changed our lenses. Because of the gospel, so we, we need a new life, we need a new vision, and we need a new purpose. And Paul lays it out here starting in verse 14. Let's dive in real quick. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. The first thing, because of the gospel, we have new life. Because of the gospel, we have new life. We don't, uh, we don't, uh, live, our, um, we don't live for ourselves anymore. We don't live according to the past anymore. 
Now we start living for the future. We want to jump in and we want to, uh, to live for the future as a result of living our lives according to his purpose for us. It's a new life. It's a new hope. And each day, each hour, every single breath we take, this new life of hope is because of the gospel. When we're experiencing, uh, when we experience giving our lives to Christ for the first time through baptism, I love talking to students or adults or kids or, or whoever it is about this because, one, it's what this is all about, is new people, people hearing the gospel and responding to what they believe from the words that they've heard. And one thing, one part of the conversation in one form or another, whenever I'm at least talking with them, we talk to them, it, we mentioned, we said this on the mountain, we said this at 10,000 feet during youth group time uh, this, just a couple weeks ago. We said, listen, when you make this decision to follow Christ for the first time, when you do this, or even when you're rededicating your life, this is a reminder that it requires life change as a result of this decision and this choice to believe in our Creator and believe in His Son who came to earth and was crucified for us, completely innocent, took our sins. As we look at this and we step away and after we come out of the water, out of baptism, and we start living in each choice we make, it requires that there's something different about us. It requires us to think differently, even if it's against the culture and against everybody around us, it requires us to think differently according to this, according to God's Word. There should be life change. God demands that from us. And so, again, we need to unsee what you can see so you can see what you can't see. We need a new life. The second thing is because of the gospel, we also have a new vision. We have a new vision. And verses 16 and 17 spells this out for us. Verse 16 says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. See, Paul there is admitting when he was converted and what was happening before that point. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Did you hear what Paul mentioned there in the first part? From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. How often do we look at others with these distorted, cloudy, non-gospel lenses. How many of us look at people sometimes as property or coworkers that work under you or uh, neighbors that are just down the road a little ways and you see them occasionally or a, a person on your team and just, I mean, we're, we're just, it's very surface level. We need to have a new vision in light of the gospel. If you've accepted the gospel, your vision should be different. Where others see condemnation, you should point out hope. Where others see despair, you should see an opportunity for resurrection. Where others see enemies, you should see people that we love. Your vision should be different. I remember when my vision changed um, on three different occasions. Uh, the first one, uh, two, two were real specific and dramatic. Um, the first one was uh, on August 18th, 1993, 
whenever I was 11 years old and I, uh, on a Wednesday night and I gave my life to Christ for the first time. My dad baptized me. This was at our old uh, facility on 86th Street in the uh, color scheme of blue and orange in the old chapel, whether that's Broncos or Thunder for you, I don't know. I know some of you, I know what it is. But anyway, um, uh, that's where I, my vision changed. Why? I, okay, James, you were 11. Yeah, that's true. I was 11. It was the first step, big basic step in my faith. And of course, it grew, grows from there. But it's this first step, and all of a sudden, we, I remember, and we should remember, that that's the point where our vision changed. We, started to, uh, we need to start thinking differently about how we're doing stuff, how we're making decisions, what we're doing, how we're living for Jesus, how we're living for Christ, instead of this world or the culture around us or even some in our homes. The second thing was a uh, big, big change as far as uh, vision and shift in my life was the first time I went on a missions trip to Mexico. This was whenever I was in high school. Uh, we went to Juarez, Mexico, and uh, it was incredible. I remember uh, uh, crossing the border and feeling like I am where, wh- what? You know, I'm just, you guys, some of you guys know that. And so uh, we were there, we were building houses for people whose houses were made of cardboard and pallets, maybe. And we get there, and I'm, I'm just in awe for three days, as we're, four, three, four days, as we're building these houses from the ground up, and, um, and I'm seeing these families, these kids, these parents, these grandparents, aunts, whoever that is in relation, I'm seeing this community of people, especially the family we're building for, who loves Jesus like probably few that I knew did. And it blew me away and it changed my vision because I'm seeing the condition in which they're living, but they aren't even looking at that. They're looking at their love for Jesus Christ and what he's done in their life, and because of Jesus, they have hope in the resurrection, and that someday, even regardless of whatever happens for the 80 years of, uh, on earth, they will be in eternity with he- in heaven with Jesus Christ, our creator. That's what their focus was on. That's where their vision was, and it changed my vision. Third thing was um, Thursday night, at Youthquake, July 20th of the year 2000. Um, that was my junior year, uh, and uh, that was a night where we were in, we were in Winter Park, Colorado. That's where we were doing Youthquake at the time. We didn't have any covering, so when it rained, we were um, either in trouble or we would try to get in, if there was availability, in the gym or in a, another side room or whatever that could fit us barely to do worship. And so this one particular night, it was raining, and so we were inside, and I felt this calling of the Holy Spirit come on my life, and I chose to go into commit to full-time vocational ministry at that point. Changed, changed my vision. Changed my purpose. Changed me. In light of the gospel, we should see, we should have a new vision. We shouldn't be looking through a worldly lens anymore. We should be looking through the lens of the gospel. Finally, in this text, we see that God, because of the gospel, we have new purpose. Because of the gospel, we have new purpose. If you've accepted the gospel, your purpose should be different than it used to be. Paul says in verse 18 and following, All, of this, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, 
not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And verse 21, I love, is the overview of the gospel. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I love what the message translation says there in verse 21. It says, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. If you've accepted the gospel, your purpose in life is different than those who haven't. Think about what we live for. What do we live for right now? Are we living for the next job? Are we living for the next promotion? Are we looking, living for the next business, the next house, the next degree, how we can impress our bosses, our neighbors, our coaches, our teachers, the next achievement, maybe the next big purchase that we're saving money for? Our lens is really narrow when we live this way and when we think that this is our purpose. We live for these things, but when we come to Christ we accept, and we accept the gospel, our purpose changes. It goes from Jesus Christ as our Savior to then deepens to Christ as our Lord. Our Lord. Our mission gives way to Jesus' mission. What we have now because of Jesus inspires the reconciliation of others as we go out as Christ's ambassadors. And he makes his appeal through us. Do you really understand that how God makes his appeal to others in your homes, at your work, in school, wherever you spend any part of your time, do you really believe and understand that he does that through you and me? He doesn't just do that with whoever's on stage preaching. He doesn't just do that to a small group leader or a class teacher. He doesn't just do that to those who are out and their missionaries in other countries across the world. He does, it's not just one or, or three or a hundred or ten thousand of all of Christianity that's doing this appeal. It's through each and every one of us who calls Jesus our Lord and Savior. As we become kingdom workers trying to build his kingdom, it's through us. We are the church, you and I. That's how he does this. We're called to preach the gospel and to live out the gospel so that others see us and say, I want that. Something's different there. He or she, what is, what, and, it's, and they might be saying that because they know what's going on in your life. Like with me going to Mexico and seeing these people like, how are you, like, why, where's your hope? Look at where you're living. But no, it's because of the reflection that they have of Jesus Christ that you wonder, or you say, I want that. Like as a Christ follower, as a high schooler, I was like, why is my passion not as great as that person? I'm sure some of you may get asked some questions. One th before I, actually, before I get to those questions, we are, I want to make this very clear. I love it. It says in the text, um, if you've accepted Christ, you are Christ's ambassadors. Make no mistake about it. We are Christ's ambassadors. And whether you want to be or not, the question is, what kind of ambassador are you? Some questions sometimes people might ask you, 
How have you gotten where you are today? Why is it that you're so happy all the time? Where, is your ho- where does your hope come from? Why do you act like, or why don't you act like others that I know that use, you know, the language that they use? And I mean, you're not that way. Why are you so different? Why are you the way you are? What's the answer that you give when some of those things come up? I don't care how old you are in here or what stage of life you are, what phase of life you're in. We all get asked that in some way or another. What's your answer? Does your answer have anything to do with Jesus? Does it have anything to do with um, what Jesus did for you and what he's done in your life? Does, Does your answer to the opportunity that God has given you in that very moment have anything to do with the gospel at all? Did you say anything? Or did we just dodge it? So again, what kind of ambassador are you? It's a great question for all of us to ask ourselves. I think some choose, some of us choose, I think, to be a silent ambassador. But that's not what Paul's saying here. That's not what God is commanding of us. We need to take every single opportunity to reflect back to people what Jesus means to us. And one of the ways that we're able to do that is we're able to, when we're able to unsee all that we see that isn't really that important to us. We need to unsee what we can see so that we can see that people around us still need Jesus Christ. I also love what Paul says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just one verse Chapter 4, verse 18, it says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We're talking about eternity. As Christ followers, we're talking about eternity. For, For the people that don't know Jesus, we're talking about eternity for them. We are God's vessels. We are His messengers. We need to see we need to see what is unseen we have to focus on a new vision we need to fix our eyes on Jesus and on what is unseen if we don't our vision is clouded and if we can't see if 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 it's clouded then we can't see what is in front of us as far as the fact that everything that we do eternity is at stake When we fix our eyes on what is unseen, we'll see that we have a new life, a new vision, and a new purpose. Then we can also love Jesus and love like Jesus in a powerful and in a very effective way. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the message, God, that you've brought all of us. Jesus, I pray that uh, that you will continue to do incredible things through us maybe for some of us in here for the first time. And God, I pray that if anybody's wrestling with their faith, that they would mention something, they would say something. I pray that anybody who's uh, considering and been considering to give their life to Christ, to you for the first time and become a follower of yours, God, I just pray that they would have the courage to do so. Father, thank you for all the decisions that were made at Youthquake. Thank you for all the decisions that have been made since then and the ones that will still come. Father, we love you, we praise you, we pray all these things in your name, amen. One more thing before uh, we wrap up the services, we've got uh, a video of a couple of students and an adult kind of explaining 
uh, their impact on of youthquake in their lives. So watch this. So this is my fifth year at Youthquake. Being a grad, looking back on my senior year, it is kind of crazy to see how much my walk with Christ has progressed and changed, and changed me for the better. Going to my freshman year, um, I was a Christian. Um, I still had to kind of, I guess, figure out my, my identity in Christ and who I am. And Youthquake helped, helped, helped me find that in my life. What makes me keep coming back to Youthquake is probably the, like, continuous relationships I make with people and just the atmosphere of God just being everywhere around you. I have definitely been closer to God this week. I've learned not to worry about little things and how if you don't worry and give everything to Him, then you'll just have more of a peaceful life with Him. What God has been teaching me this year at Youthquake is confirming what I already believe and upholding my convictions I already have before I go to college. Um, I've learned to just be more peaceful and to trust in God. Um, this past year, my junior year, has really been stressful for me, especially since I'm thinking about college and thinking about my future. So I've really learned that this week taught me just to trust in God and to be more stable in my faith. And I think something like this, whatever it is, um, a week away, a time away, to focus on your faith, focus on your spiritual growth, to focus on some of uh, the challenges that are present in your life are so important and so vital uh, for our development. It was really great to get to know some of them in our family time and our small group time, and I'm very thankful for that. My favorite part of the week is my family group. My family group has been so incredibly awesome. I get to meet a ton of new people from Stillwater and from Tyro, and I'm just so incredibly blessed to have them in my group and to be able to just joke around with them and to spend an entire day just hanging out with them. But the, the best part of the week, kind of on a macro scale, is just relationship building. Because now I feel like I've built several relationships with the adults and with the students. And something like this is so great to feel like you're more of a part of a family. Um, I would tell my friends that it's totally worth the money. I would definitely say to spend it, just to go for it, and to invite everyone you know. I would say definitely do it. You get a great experience. I've met so many people through this camp, and I've made so many friendships and reconnected with people that I had lost in the past. Um, you know, we as adults, we feel like we need to have the answers. I need to, I, I need to have the perfect answer and the right answer, and what these students need to see is you. They need to see you uh, living your life and dedicating your life to Christ and being here. Uh, because you never know the value of the seeds that you're sowing and how they're going to come back uh, and bear fruit later in life.